Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. Coming in as a new coach, it's always interesting, I think, to see how the team wants to bring you in. You know, I, you know, coming in at a lot of mentors and stuff that are saying, like, you got to be careful because if you come in and you try to put the hammer down right away, like, they're going to either resent you and run or you're not going to get a lot out of them in the first place. And it's going to be hard as a young coach, I think for me being younger to even get in there at all. Um, but I think for us, you know, there's not really a specific story. I wish I had some awesome story that I'll tell when I'm 60 and still coaching about my first year at Earlham. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think just the mentality from even just our first practice, it was six in the morning. It was pouring rain. It was the start of the fall. So you think it'd be warm. It was not. Um, and just no one cared. I think, you know, I had to get there, unlock the locker room. It was five, probably 35 when I pulled up and there was already six guys waiting to get in there to get ready to go. Um, when for me as a new coach, I was like, what am I thinking? You know, I'm scheduling 6 a.m. practice for my first practice ever. These guys are going to hate me. I'm not going to get anything out of them. And then lo and behold, I show up. Nobody was late. Everyone was ready to go. Nobody complained. Everyone was soaking wet. You know, the sticks were great, but usually in the rain, they're terrible. And the effort was just there. And I was like, well, it's the first practice. This probably won't continue. Next practice, same thing, full speed, no complaining, no nothing. And it never stopped. And I think for us, we're we're a very small program last year. Um, We're a very small program this year for a typical lacrosse roster. And no one complains about it. And that's something that I think as a coach is really going to shape this program and something I've enjoyed and something I wish I could take credit for, but I can't. I think it's something that they just kind of instill in each other and do with each other. And it's just been, I think that that first practice always stands out to me because I was driving up, it's pouring rain, it's cold. I'm like, here we go. And nothing but smiles, nothing but excitement, nothing but hooting and hollering. And it was just really everything as a coach you want in your first practice with the team. It's so incredible, man. And it's, it shines light on the power of sports. No one is showing up for a 6 a.m. history class in the rain with the same, with smiles on their face. And that's no offense to, you know, a history class, but it, it really is an exceptional, it's an exceptional thing without a doubt. Would you say, I wonder if that, that is, um, I wonder if that'll be a real benefit to wherever Earl and lacrosse goes. I would imagine it would be. I had a conversation the other day uh, with a coach friend who essentially, you know, we were talking about the NFL draft is coming up and different things like that. But like, wouldn't you rather have a smaller roster of just, all in guys than a, than a padded roster with, you know, like with uh, big arm quarterbacks and things like that who are, you know, only kind of bought in, you know? Yeah. I think 10 times out of 10, I think it's something yeah. even like coming into this job, you know, it was a small roster. It was a team that hadn't won a lot over the first two years of the program. And if you watched this practice, if you watched us play, you'd have no idea. It's just excitement. I think every recruit I talk to, it's the same thing. What's your team like? It's like, I mean, we're just the hardest working group you're going to find. No matter how big our roster is, we don't complain about it. We don't act like we're tired. We don't tell you we're tired. We're going to punch you in the mouth. And that's just kind of the way it is. When you play Earl and you're, you're getting put on your butt and you're getting some bumps and bruises and you're not going to believe you only playing against 14 guys. Yeah. So toughness and physicality, where, where does that come from? And maybe this is the, the right opportunity to learn more about where you come from. What, what were you doing before you got to Erlen? I was coaching. Um, I think, you know, for me, I was one of those people, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I didn't start playing lacrosse even until my sophomore year of high school. 
Uh, I played every sport under the sun beforehand. I was definitely always that kid that was way too small for his own good. I was, I'm very tall now, which didn't happen until high school, but like I wrestled in the state of, I'm like six, four now, luckily. Yes, so. And that was like junior year. I grew a foot. So it happened very, very quickly. But before that, you know, I was the kid that in football, I had the kids of my age were all two weight classes above me. So I had to play with kids younger than me. And I wrestled in the 75 pound weight group. And in high school, I hit the, I was lucky enough to wrestle in one Oh three. So right. I think my background in sports, I always had that kind of chip on my shoulder. Like I shouldn't be out here. I'm too small to be out here. Um, and I think, you know, wrestling put a lot of toughness in me. Um, but I think, you know, sports was the only thing I knew I loved and playing lacrosse. It was the first sport I played where it clicked. Like I want to do this forever. Um, and it was one of those things. I didn't know what I wanted to major in. I don't know what career I wanted to have, but I knew I wanted to play lacrosse. Um, so I researched some schools. I tell the guys all the time, you know, like I joked with you earlier, I, I'm not smart enough to go to Earlham. Um, mm-hmm. I only had a handful of options to even go to school um, at the Division Three level. wasn't good enough to go to Division Two or Division One, obviously. Um, but I think that Division Three level Midwest, I was very fortunate. There were a lot of programs popping up all over the place. Um, so you know, I dove into that, and then towards the end of there of my college career, I realized, you know, I think I want to coach. Which college? Sorry. So I started at Concordia University, Wisconsin, a third year of the program, um, was there for a year, decided to transfer at the end of the year, um, get a little closer to home. And then luckily for me, my, so my freshman year of college, uh, Benedictine University, where I finished my time, um, they had started a program the year before I got there. Um, So it was a really cool opportunity to not come to a brand new program, but to come in to a program that was really growing in a really great way. It was close to home. Um, you know, they had the majors. I was still trying to decide between. Um, and in my time at Benedictine, I think it really hit me my senior year. I had a pretty bad injury. I had a stress fracture in my leg. Um, started shin splints, wanted to be a tough guy. You know, I was senior captain. I was like, I can't sit out. Like, I got I to gotta run through this. And it just got worse and worse and worse. And then I went and got an x-ray, learned that stress fractures only show up on x-rays. Played in a game the next day had this searing pain in my leg the entire game, went and got an MRI, rather large crack in my tibia. Mm. Um, so sat out the majority of the rest of the year. And that's when I really started to coach. Um, mm. So I had coached at the club level, like youth beginner camps, um, traveled across, things like that. But like that year being on crutches at every single practice, being on the sideline of the games, really getting to talk to my other, so I played attack. So in lacrosse, there's only three attack on the field at a time. Um, similar to lines in hockey. I had two guys on my line that were um, sophomores my senior year and freshmen my junior year. So it was really my job to put them under my wing and grow them into the players they were going to become. Um, one of them became an All-American. I bother him all the time that I take full credit for that. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one was a very successful player as well. He was, I think we were the top three goal scorers in program history for a period of time. Um, but my senior year, it was just about coaching those guys and teaching them anything and everything about lacrosse and offense and all those things. Um, and then also lucky for me, I think a lot of my story revolves around luck in my opinion, but um, my former coach at Benedictine, so he left my junior year at Benedictine to go start another program. So another brand new program about a block away at North central college in Naperville, mm-hmm. Illinois. And I'd asked him for a letter of recommendation and he was like, why don't you just come coach with me? Um, and that was towards the end of my senior year. So I had the choice. It was either sit out the rest of the games and, D3 red shirt um, or gray shirt. I know there's a different term for it, division three level, um, but a medical red shirt um, or start my coaching career. And for me, it was kind of one of those things, you know, talk to my parents about it a lot. It was, yes, I can play lacrosse another year. 
but the opportunity to go to a school like a North Central, an opportunity to start a lacrosse program and learn how to do that as an assistant, um, I would have been really, really stupid to pass up. And there were a lot of days I really was sad about it. You know, I got had to watch Benedictine games and see them play and think that I should be out there. I could be out there because um, I still had my undergrad to finish up. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think looking back on it now, I wouldn't be here if I didn't do that. Um, you know, I wouldn't be a head coach right now. I wouldn't have had the experience of starting a program from scratch as an assistant coach um, and building that program into what is now a very high functioning, very high quality program. Um, and I think coming here, I learned a lot there and this is obviously a different boat. Um, but you know, I think without that experience and without Earlham, you know, and also I think the big part of that is also getting some no's from schools that I thought were my first head coaching job, mm-hmm. um, getting turned down again and again and again, I think built a lot of toughness in me as well. Um, sure. and I think it really showed me, I mean, it was one of those things like even the interview process at Earlham, I was like, you know, I'll, I'll check it out. I'm, I'm not super interested. It's not really. Um, you know, something I see myself doing right now. Then I came to campus. I met people around here. It's just, I knew the second I left this place, I mean, I got off of the job before I left the campus. So it was one of those things like they felt it, I felt it. And we both knew that this was the perfect scenario for all involved. And like I said, I think I've been very fortunate. The guys have accepted me the way that I ha- they have. Um, and I think that toughness, just like I said, I think my background in sport has really bred it. I think a lot of our guys have background in other sports. A lot of football guys, wrestlers, um, you know, you name it, we got a guy that played it. And I think that lends a lot to our toughness. And I think, you know, the, the punches they've soaked in their time at Earlham, you know, guys that played football here when that was still a thing and guys that have been on the lacrosse program the first two years that were, you know, a lot of lumps. Um, yeah. I think they've, they've really, they're really, really tough individuals mentally, physically. Um, and I think that really shows in our program when you watch us play. Yeah, I believe that. I think um, I won't. We want to be uh, super optimistic. So, Avery, I, I don't want too many details, but I think it's. I think it is such an interesting situation. The football program. Correct me if I if I get any details wrong here. The football program was sort of. Um, uh, dwindling, maybe under supported, and ultimately dissolved during your time there, Avery. And uh, so I guess Coach Keenan, I wonder, I mean, have you tried to harvest those guys that are still on campus, the football guys? The ones that were left are already on the lacrosse team. That's um, awesome. Yeah. And I think it's really unfortunate that that had happened to the football program, but I don't think if that, if that didn't happen, I don't think there'd be a lacrosse program right now. Really? Because even when I, when I got hired last summer, we only had two guys on the team that even had played lacrosse beforehand. Um, wow. So I don't think without that happening, as, as bad as that sounds, you know, I wouldn't have Avery. I wouldn't have last year our seniors who were great leaders and great guys. We wouldn't have had any of them. Um, we're start. I think right now we're about – right now we're probably over half lacrosse, like previous lacrosse experience before college to college. But like yeah. I said, I think watching us play, I even said it last year, like – you would have no idea who had played lacrosse before college and who didn't. I mean, the work they've put in and, you know, it's, it shows. And I think it's something that we're very fortunate. I think it's, it's, it's really exciting to me because, uh, and I hope that, I hope that some young people listen to this because I think lacrosse is such a cool sport. Uh, it is a growing sport and it's especially from, from my experience, it's growing pretty quickly at the small college level. Um, so, and I, and I want people to understand a couple things about it. And, and I'd of course invite either of you to push back on me on this, but one is that, um, if you're an athlete, you're probably going to be able to pick it up 
You know what I mean? If it's something that you want to try, like you said, at the absolute elite programs in the country, like you can't go to Maryland and Syracuse and Notre Dame, play lacrosse. If you haven't had a stick in your hand since you were eight or whatever, practice. you know what I mean? There, there are some very true old school lacrosse uh, programs out there, but as these opportunities continue to grow, I hope people recognize that it's not too late to pick up the game. And if it's something I actually, I played my, uh, my cousin played hockey and lacrosse and I was more focused on football, but in college after my senior year, I had my football career, my college football career was done at that point, but I was, I was definitely not done as a competitor. And I actually uh, played my first lacrosse game spring of my senior year. I just, I just tried it. And I will admit to both of you that I, I, probably could not have made the Earlham team. I was not very good, but, uh, but I, but I thought, but I loved it. I thought it was such a cool game. Um, I still do. I'm lucky to work. Um, in fact, maybe this is the start of a conversation that, that includes recruiting people to Earlham lacrosse because we, uh, I'm at New Trier, like you're from the area, you know, the lacrosse pro- program there is absurd. Uh, you know, they, they're, if they're not, if they didn't win the state championship, they, they were probably in it. And if they didn't, something went wrong along the way. It's, uh, it's pretty wild, but anyway, I'm a fan. I love to hear that. Um, and I think that is a, I think that's an important thing to know just out of curiosity, who are, who are like your rivals, who in the Midwest is sort of up and coming, uh, in the small college crossing. Um, I mean, definitely our conference. I think for us, our rivals are definitely Transylvania University and Lexington, Kentucky. Um, they've been the top dog in our conference for quite a while. Um, I think really our whole conference is pretty competitive with each other. I think it's interesting because like Transy is kind of in their own little bubble. They've been around the longest. They've, you know, they've done all these things. Hanover as well is a program mm-hmm. that's been around quite a while and been very successful. Hanover in Indiana. Um, and then there's like us, Anderson and um, Mount St. Joe's in Cincinnati who are all kind of in a similar boat as, you know, rebuilding phases or brand new programs. And I think um, it's interesting, but I think for us, we don't really have like a set rival. Avery might disagree, but I don't think we have a set rival. Um, We've had some great games with Wilmington in our time as a program, um, a fellow Quaker school out of Ohio. Um, So I think it all, I think it kind of, what do you think? Would you guys ever play DePaul University? We play them this spring. Yeah, cool. So there are some people there. Yeah, right nearby. Um, so we're hoping to play them this year. Um, they're a very similar school. I mean, we recruit against them. They were very, they're a very similar school academically and stuff to us. Um, so we recruited them quite a bit, actually, as well. Yeah. Go ahead, Avery. I mean, uh, yeah, I would say pretty much the same thing. I don't think that we have been around long enough to have created those, like, concrete rivals because I would say our first two years, especially because – like coach said earlier, my freshman year, it was first year of the program and everyone was either a football player who was like, yeah, I'll play or a random student. We had three players who played lacrosse in high school, one of which uh, tore his hamstring like the first week and was out for pretty much the whole season outside of one game. And then he got re-injured. Um, another kid, there was some disciplinary stuff and he didn't end up staying with the team. And so we were down to one kid. And unfortunately, that person wasn't a goalie. So we had someone who had never stepped in the cage before trying to play goalie. And, you know, I appreciate the effort that they put in. But, uh, you know, obviously, that's a position that you you really want the experience. So that was rough. And for those first two years, um, there was no one to be like... Like we, we weren't competitive enough to create rivals basically is what I'm saying. Okay, fair enough. Um, and then also a lot of the other programs, like our coach is saying, 
um, to the conference are very new. Anderson is pretty new. Mount St. Joe's is very new. So that hasn't been long enough. So we have like the upper echelon teams like Transylvania, who's in their own category. And then Hanover, who's about a step beneath that. Um, We're just honestly too good at that point to consider that a rivalry. But I think we're getting to the point now where um, those rivalries will definitely start to bloom, hopefully this year. And there's something for whatever reason, there's something so exciting to me about that. Like we've had people on the podcast that are part of some of those like storied programs, not lacrosse per se, but people who've been part of, you know, like Harvard football that's been around for who knows how long. What's exciting to me about this conversation is that is just the potential, like where it could all go. Like I have a a friend of mine that I actually played football with in high school. He's taking over the program. Um, Like you might recruit against them as well. Um, at Lake Forest College. I know there's some some spots in the Midwest Conference, Illinois Wesley, like the, these programs are starting to pop up everywhere. And, and for whatever reason that, it just gets me excited. It's like, we're, we're at the start of something. And, and uh, you know, some people, you know, it depends where you're at. If you watch ESPN all day, then maybe a program that's two, three years old isn't that exciting for you. Uh, to me, it's exciting because I'm, I'm thinking, 10, 20 years down the road, we're going to look back on this moment as sort of like we're at the bubble of, of lacrosse right now, I think. And it's moving from the East through it, certainly into the Midwest and beyond. And that's just a very exciting idea to me. Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting you bring that up. I think my, so I graduated high school in 2012. That was like the start of the explosion of Midwest D3 college, even now D2 Lewis and Romeoville is the lone D2 program in Illinois. Um, down in St. Louis, you have some really strong nationally ranked Division II programs in Linwood and uh, Maryville. I think it's in Rockhurst, even closer to Kansas City, Missouri is a phenomenal Division II program. Um, but I think even it's funny you bring up Illinois Wesleyan, like they had the number one ranked offense in the country a couple of years yep. ago. They're, it's just, it's crazy. And they were in the same conference as North Central, so I knew them very, very well. You um, sent a kid to play there who was outstanding, a yeah. really good athlete, yeah. And even, I mean, North Central adding lacrosse is a huge deal. I mean, they won the national championship for Division Three football last time yeah. there was a normal season. So them adding was huge. And I think them doing that opened up a lot of other schools. The idea that like a Wheaton in Illinois, another very strong Division Three football program. Mm-hmm. About it. It's one of those sports that's going to increase your enrollment. It's going to be the the stigma is, you know, there are going to be kids that can pay a lot of money. Um, and I think it's just... For me, it's a no-brainer as a lacrosse guy to add lacrosse, but I mean, it's yeah. obviously an expensive sport to add and all those things as well. Is it? How does it? How does it stack up expense-wise? Because here's here's what I, because I do I'm, I'm not in a college uh, ad's office. I, I I feel very fortunate for the conversations I'm able to have with college ad's, but I'm not having to write checks, so I'm speaking totally out of turn. But for, but I would say that if I were running one, then starting a lacrosse program makes total sense to me. And here's why I I wonder what the overhead is. It's not like you need to build a pool or a new facility. You know, it's, it's a a reallocation of of the facilities you already have. It's a soccer field or a, or a football field with, with new lines Um, from an equipment standpoint. I don't know how that looks, but I know, you know, it's not, it's not at the football level or the hockey level when it comes to equipment, you know, so uh, it also, okay, now I'll, no, I think I'm still right about this. It, you know, I, I think the primary sort of kid that you get could be a two-sport athlete. You know, you, you know, lacrosse and baseball are in the same season, but if you're playing lacrosse, I'm thinking, I'm reflecting on some of the, the, the young men that I coach. 
Yeah, I, I, we have a lot of guys who uh, might who might knock on the door of uh, like a walk on spot at Division One school for lacrosse, but they love football too much to give it up. To recruit that kid to a small school and say we got you know you can do both. What a boost to the athletic department that would be. Um, and then, like you say, you know, whether it's a stereotype or not, there are probably a lot of sort of full ticket payers, um, you know, coming from a sport that's a little, at least at the moment, we're talking in part about how that's evolving, but, but historically a little more of a white collar sport. Um, very much which, known as, the term I hear a lot is country club sport. It's in kind of right. the same conversation as a golf. Tennis, golf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Totally. Well, I think that's really exciting. And, 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 I, and I mean that. And um, we will have to talk sort of off air and, and see if there's any way to um, shine a light on what you all are doing, because um, I know it will take the right kind of kid to want to go to a newer program and be one of those 6 a.m. in the rain type kids. But, uh, you, you know, you could you'd have the chance to build something. And, and that is something I mean, special about that. In terms of building, I've, I've felt it since my freshman year, even before Coach Keenan got there, but we had a really tight-knit group of guys through football and other things, right? We sort of went through the gauntlet together. So mm-hmm. the, really strong, and it instilled a kind of culture that's carried over to even now, just toughness and you know putting your head down and working, and, you know, a loss stinks, but it doesn't define you. And because, I mean, we couldn't let it define ourselves. There were too many of them at the time, but... Um, this season, I'm really excited because, you know, we've got this freshman goalie who's really talented. I'm excited to play with him because he'll be the first goalie that I've gotten to play with um, who had experience prior. And it's been so hard to explain to people when, you know, the scoreboard's like 17 to one, right? It's like, and they're like, wow, you guys stink. It's like, I swear we are so close. I just cannot articulate to you why we are so close. And so that's why I'm excited for this season because I really think there's going to be that payoff finally. Um, because, you know, I felt it. I remember uh, my freshman year, our defense was good. I mean, it was like we were new guys, but we were quick, we were fast, we were athletic. That's one of the benefits of a lot of us being multi-sport athletes is, you know, not a ton of us have a lot of lacrosse background, Mm -hmm. but athletes. And we were flying all over the place. And um, they're just, you know, when when you can't defend 12 and out, it's difficult because, you know, again, we had a guy who had never been in the cage before. So Mm -hmm. that but I'm really excited for the potential of this program. Freshmen we brought in are amazing, and you know I'm excited to keep it going. But I did actually want to ask just to get the ball rolling, yeah. Brace perspective. Um, with our program, a lot of we have a big onus on mental health, and um, I was just curious. I don't know if we ever really articulated that at practices, um, but how did you get on that path? Because I think that's been something that was day one for you. Like you stepped in the office, and it was basically like, I want you guys to know that I'm here for you. And if you want to talk and, you know, I get that from most coaches, but I think you've done a great job of making it important that we know that that's not just something that you say, it's something that you stand by. And so I'm kind of curious how that became something that was a staple of your program. Yeah. Uh, well, I appreciate you saying that you enjoy it. Um, that means a lot. I think for me, it wasn't, I think it's an interesting thought of where it came from. I think every assistant coach in the country will tell you or any coach that coaches anything, they'll tell you, they have all these ideas. So as an assistant, I had all these ideas of when I'm a head coach, I'm going to do this. When I'm a head coach, I'm going to do this. And I think it was very interesting, the timing of me understanding my own mental health quite a bit more in my last couple of years as an assistant coach. I mean, I always, 
I mean, my, I always tell my wife that she saved me, but in all reality, she saved my life because I think, you know, my last year as an assistant, I was kind of in that boat. I was, um, I was 24 years old. Um, I, that summer before I'd gotten turned down by three schools I interviewed at to be a head coach. Um, and I was like, what am I doing? Like, this isn't going to work. I was working part-time as, a, well, as a, I was part-time at North central working full-time hours. Um, for those listening, if you're an assistant coach at a division three college, you know, that's not a lot of money. Um, I also did a lot of other random jobs. I worked at a lacrosse store as the assistant general manager. Um, not a ton of money there and retail made me realize how much I am annoyed by people. Um, I think retail really opened my eyes to that. Um, and it was something I, I liked it, but my big thing has always been finding what I want to do, my purpose. And I think in coaching, you know, through those odd random part-time jobs, you know, being uh, a bus boy at weddings, cause I could do that from 9 PM to four in the morning to make some money to pay for rent and student loans and things like that. Um, you know, I was, it was that motivation of like, I got to figure something out. Um, and I think for me, it really tested my mental health. And I think venting to my, my girlfriend, then wife now about those things helped a lot. And that was the first time I had someone, you know, my parents will hate if they hear this, that I felt I could talk to about anything. You know, I felt I could say, I feel sad. I felt I could say, you know, I'm not okay. Um, and I think that was a huge turning point for me. Um, you know, even going through that spring at North Central, we had some really heartbreaking losses. I mean, we were our third year as a program. We had, I think, against the top teams in the conference, we had a couple one goal losses that were just heartbreaking. And I think for me, it was just a lot to go through. And I was like, you know, I think this is my last year at North Central, regardless of head coach, assistant coach, and also financially. I was now off my parents' insurance. Um, you know, I had to figure that out. So I had to get a full-time job that had medical benefits because my job at the lacrosse store did not. Um, but like I said, I think mental health, going through it myself and being a head coach, I kind of really thought to myself, you know, this is my opportunity. I think is, you know, I, I want this to be my forever job. And I think I got to dive in head first. And I think a big piece of that that gets lost on a lot of coaches and a lot of programs is that, you know, it needs to be talked about. And I think there is that stigma with being a male, you know, something that I dealt with a lot in college when I was struggling and didn't really know, um, you know, I was a captain, I was a leader of the team. I was like, I can't be not okay. Like that's, right. you have to, I have to be strong. And I had a lot of what I know now are mental breakdowns. You know, I think in college, I, I lost my grandfather, which was the first like family member I lost and processing all of that without talking to anyone about it was a lot. Um, had some relationship issues as every college person goes through um, that were really tough to go through. And then, I mean, even this year alone, I've been very upfront with you guys that my mental health's in a very unique spot this year um, with COVID. I mean, being hunkered down in your house all day, every day is not easy. Um, lost my grandmother. Um, my mother was diagnosed with cancer, which she has kind of come through on the better side of now. Um, but even just going through all that, I mean, I think it's, it's even more important now than ever that I let you guys know if I'm not okay. Um, and I think it's one of those things that the whole reason we have those weekly meetings, um, you know, I meet with every single player on the team every single week, because one, I want to make sure you're getting your schoolwork done, which for a lot of you, I and mean, for Avery, I don't think we've ever talked about your schoolwork in those meetings. Um, but I think for a lot of guys, I want them to know, you know, whatever you want to say, I want you to come talk to me about it. I think and even for our team, a lot of the guys, they're from all over the country. We only have one kid on our team from Indiana. Um, everyone else is Ohio. We got California, Minnesota. Colorado, West Virginia, Jersey, 
you know, New York, Florida, these kids from all over the country, they can't just like, for me, if I was feeling bad, I can go home and at least see my parents feel a little better about it. Whereas a lot of kids on our team, who are you going to talk to? Um, so I think, you know, being that kind of parental figure. And I think with my career, lacrosse is nice, but I want to help mentor. I want to help, you know, young men be the best version of themselves. And I think coaching here has really given me that opportunity. And I think, like I said to you guys a million times, I don't care about lacrosse as much as I care about myself and you guys. Um, it's much more about, you know, getting good grades, getting out of the job, going to grad school. But the biggest piece of that is being content. I think being happy with yourself and what you're doing. Um, and like you said, I think the losses, you know, learning how to recover from that and use it as a positive has been a big thing. Um, but I think just, you know, for me, it's, it helps me a lot as well. I've mentioned to a couple of guys that this year has helped me a lot to discuss mental health with you guys to help me realize my own things that I have to work on. Um, like telling for me, I've mentioned this couple of guys, like sitting in my office and telling someone, you should go to counseling. You should go do this. You should go do that. When I'm not willing to do that myself, that's not okay. So now that I'm starting to go down that path, you know, I think it's helped me a lot and I want guys to do that. I do a lot of other things as well, help with my mental health that we can talk about later. But I think, you know, for, for our program, I just want to be at the forefront that if you're in a own college cross player, you're going to be cared about, you know, I'm not just your coach. I don't just want to see you at practice. You know, we are a family. We take that term very seriously. Um, and I want to be a place where guys know no matter what you're going through, no matter how you feel, you know, I got your back. The for now, 13 guys around you got your back. You know, we're you're going to be okay, and and it's okay to not be okay. And there's there's ways to to fight through that and work through that, and kind of giving guys tools to do things like that. I, I think it's amazing. I appreciate you sharing all that. Really, and and that's um, that's sort of the big idea of of the Team Embrace initiative, which is one of the initiatives of the Good Athlete Project that Avery's been working on and doing such a great job at. But it is, it's just being open to the conversation. A lot of things you said have made me think about some important ideas. One was um, the care you took to say, you know, I know my parents will be upset to hear this, but I've never seen a situation where someone who has lost their life, suicide, uh, comes from parents who don't care. You know, what I mean? that, that's that's not the case. And, and more importantly, probably, there's never one major lever in the conversation of mental health because people are so unique and complex and, you know, there's, it's never like one thing, but I will say that that's, that's always a lingering sense of guilt and shame on the parent side. So one thing I would say to any parents here is that uh, it's okay. You know, like, like you said, it's, it's not, there's no malintent. I think there are so many subtleties in, in the world that we've all grown up in, whether it's, um, being raised by, uh, you know, the, the post-war generation sort of people or, or the, uh, for lack of a better term, like the machismo that exists in athletics that might keep one from having these discussions, whatever it is, there's no bad intention. Uh, and, and again, all of this to say, like w to figure out what is actually going on, all, you know, th the best tool we have is is conversation i think because we have to break it open and investigate it to see where we might want to go to your point like the um you know you talk about like essentially just just even being a, a male people don't think about it we're not even talking about like a college athlete got male but uh 
men are twice as likely, depending on the stats you look at, it's like 1.8 to 2.1, probably given the year, whatever. Men are twice as likely to die by suicide than women. I, I, it's an instinct. There's no way to prove it. But I believe from my experience that a large part of that is uh, due to the fact that whatever wound one might have, that they feel sort of obliged because of whatever culture they're in to hide it. So it, it festers. It's never, you know, um, we never work on it. We never try to heal it. And, um, and we, and we see the outcomes of it. So um, I think all that you're saying is, is necessary. Yeah. And I think it's interesting the point about, you know, you see a suicide, it's usually not because the parents weren't supportive. No, um, right. I think for me, I didn't go to my parents. It wasn't because I didn't want to talk to them. It wasn't because I didn't think they'd understand. It was a lot of, I think for me personally, and maybe someone out there listening might agree. That's why I'm going to say this. You know, I didn't understand. I was like, why am I sad? Like, I shouldn't be sad. I'm a college athlete. I'm going to school. I got an amazing family. I got a great job coaching right now, making money while I'm in school. I'm a great lacrosse player, like all these things. Like, why am I sad? I literally remember like calling my sister at you know two, three in the morning in tears. Like, I don't understand. Like, I really just didn't get it. Um, I was a happy kid growing yeah. up. And I just think going to my parents, I think for me as well, it was one of those things like, I don't want them to worry. I don't want them to think right. they did something oh, totally. wrong. Right. Um, so there's a, there's a lot to that. I think part of, I mean, I think this generation, even like myself and younger, maybe even up to like 30, I think mental health is a lot more talked about. Whereas I know like for my dad, my dad struggles with anxiety and things like that now um, that he's aware of. But I think it's just something that wasn't discussed. It was like, oh, like, just don't feel that way. Like, why? Like, just stop. Yeah. Before we uh, get too far away from it, um, I just wanted to say this uh, for Coach and anybody who's listening, just to talk about kind of what our program is like. But you leading by example has been helpful because I think I might have done this regardless, but I don't think the opportunity would have presented itself in the same way had you not uh, taken this program in the direction that you have when it comes to mental health. But you were speaking to one of the freshmen at practice and you were talking about, you know, just how you doing, da, 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 what'd you do today, all that stuff. And, you know, he wasn't in a great spot and I don't know exactly what was happening, but, you know, I overheard a little bit of the conversation just because I was, you know, I wanted to know what was going on. And so after practice, you know, uh, I had the car and I was like, Hey, hop in. And so he hopped in and we, I drove him to his dorm and we just talked for like 30 minutes. And it wasn't necessarily about what he was going through. You know, we mentioned a little bit of how he was feeling. We just talked and through that we've created a really good relationship. And I drive him pretty much up for practice after every practice. And we have a standing, you know, talk and we just, you know, hang out for that 30 minutes before he leaves the car. And where rarely do we talk about significant things. Normally we're just joking around, but building that relationship and him knowing for sure that, you know, as a senior that like I'm there if he needs to talk to me. And he also knows that you're there if he needs to talk to you. Um, I think is very indicative of the culture that you've begun to build around mental health at Earl. That's so, it's so good. And so coach, I got to applaud you for that. Obviously, Avery, I would applaud you for entertaining those conversations and you bring up something that's so important. Coach Keenan, you've created a culture where that sort of thing isn't 
weird. And, and Avery, you've identified a really important part of, of when we talk about it, um, this team embrace concept, it's like it, the conversations, the connection, being open to this conversation, they don't always, they don't have to be heavy. And I think that's one person's fear of engaging in a mental health discussion. It doesn't have to be, you know, every time we sit down, it's this deep, intense conversation about our own mental health. There is uh, the, you know, connection doesn't and probably shouldn't have an outcome, you know, intended. It's, it's, it's uh, the willingness to connect. That's the main thing, developing the connection, keeping the network of connectivity within the team alive. That's the essential part. And if you do that regularly enough, then if some, if a concern were to arise now, it's not this artificial big thing. It's, it's sort of woven into the, the, the culture of communication that already exists. That's powerful. Yeah, that's great. I, and I agree. I obviously didn't even know that, but that's just super cool. I mean, that's, that's the goal. I think any coach tell you when they're building the culture in a perfect world, all those things that I instill in you guys, I don't have to even think about, you know, it's taken over by the team and it's a little thing you talk about, like not spitting on our field and two hands on ground balls, like things like that, that like, I don't even have to talk about anymore. It's just, it's done because you guys just do it. And that's exactly what a coach wants. And on the topic of mental health, the fact that you guys do that as well, I don't even know about that's even better. For sure. And coach, you nailed it. I, part of creating a culture that, that <clears throat> teams are organic, they're organisms, they're organic, uh, complicated, ever evolving things. And what you just said, coach is so powerful because it's about regularly planting seeds and nurturing them. A culture is not a list of boxes that have to be checked every day. There might be rules and regulations, like you said, which are sort of examples of how our culture and behavior is demonstrated. But, but it's the, it's like, it's the time between those moments that like that, that organic um, growth that really matters. So I think because we're almost at time, I would say that it's just, it's so many things are encouraging the um, the fact that the program is, is starting and on the rise and on the, I would say, uh, in, in one of the very early stages of lacrosse building and growing is really exciting. The fact that even within that, you're creating a culture that is doing some of the most important things. And, and, I, and I do like that we, and we didn't plan this, but you started the conversation, Coach, talking about, um, you know, the, the, the toughness of your team. And, uh, and, and we say this, this is a, this is a core focus of, of team embrace and the good athlete project. And one thing that I think differentiates just a, us just a little bit, and that is well, be tough hundred percent. Like, these games are hard. You've got to be physical and tough and resilient, like, but you can be both tough and kind. Like those don't have to live in separate worlds. You can be competitive and caring. In fact, one thing that we use, um, very regularly is, you know, in the mental health conversation is we sort of challenge people with this idea of, are you strong enough for a tough conversation, you know what I mean? Or is this something that you constantly avoid? You know, it sounds like a, a soft area of the world. Not at all. It's really hard to do. It's complicated. Um, but like most difficult, complicated things, if you're willing to do it on the back end, um, is, is progress and, and something better. So I would just say, if you guys want to add anything before we, that we haven't addressed yet, we, we can certainly do that. But I, I just want to say how excited and encouraged I am 
Um, and Coach Keenan, I have no impact on playing time, but uh, I, I will say that uh, as, as a leader, uh, I think Avery has been doing an awesome job for us, and I'm sure you've seen that already. Yeah, that's great to hear. Exactly what I expect to hear when Avery's name is brought up with anything. He's involved with a ton of stuff on campus. And, um, yeah, I mean, he handles everything greatly and I think does a really good job with anything he puts his name into. That's awesome. You, you both. <laughs> of course. Avery, did we miss any major talking points? Uh, I think we, we covered most of it. Um, I'd just like to say for anybody listening that has any interest in Perlman College, um, one thing that I would say is this lacrosse program has been a big part of my life, but also uh, I have been through more formative experiences through this school than anywhere else. And my best friend has an amazing way of describing this school. She says, Earlham College is a net positive because there are going to be a lot of things that you go through that are very difficult. But um, out of all of it, through all of it, you will come out a better person and you will look back on your experiences overall fondly. I love it. Coach, what's the, uh, if, if someone listening to this is interested in learning more about Earlham Lacrosse, what's, what would you say the best way to find you might be? Oh, wow. Um, I'm terrible at managing our social medias, but they're there. Um, we have an Earlham Men's Lacrosse Twitter. We got an Earlham Men's Lacrosse uh, Instagram. Um, I try to post on there every once in a while, but I'm just terrible. Actually, a big part of my life this year has been getting off social media as much I as I can. I was about to say, that's um, not a bad so thing. So that's, that's affected that's the that's team. Okay. Yeah, but that's affected the team's Instagram and Twitter a little bit. Um, but I think, um, you know, just reach out. I have an email. I think for us, you know, I, I want to recruit the best players, but I also, we're trying to find the best people. As a young program, it's much more important to have high character individuals on our team than an All-American who's going to bring down our culture. Um, so if you want to play college across and you want to work hard and you want to go to one of the best schools in the Midwest, maybe even the country, you know, shoot me an email and we'll, we'll get talking. I love it. And how can they find that email? Yeah, it sounds go to Earlham. Uh, yeah. If you, I mean, if you Google Earlham across or if you go on, uh, I think our athletic website, I should know this RSID is going to be mad. I don't know this thing. It's Earlham <laughs> okay. dot, dot, uh, dot something. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's Earlham College, uh, Earlham spelled E-A-R-L-H-A-M, silent H. Uh, you can look up, they redid the athletics website recently, so it's much easier to find stuff. Um, and I believe, if I remember correctly, Coach Keenan's email is K-E-E-N-A-B-L at earlham.edu. Yep. So you have our website information, you know how to spell the college, and you've got the email. Yeah, it's and- Earlham. It's not Earl Ham, no. Uh, it's Earl, right? And and we can and we can just uh, we can throw a lot of that in in the show notes to this podcast when it's published as well. So that'll be great. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for the conversation for all that you're doing. Um, I'm I'm a supporter. I'm in. Yeah. Th- thank you guys for all you do. I think it's amazing that like an organization is doing what you guys are doing for young people and athletes and. Um, It's much needed. I appreciate that, Coach. Do you need business cards? Do you need flyers, posters, custom thank you notes, or any sort of stationery to take your business to the next level? If so, then you've got to see the good people at Mighty Printing. 
They've got two locations. One of them's up north in Glencoe, Illinois. The other is right in the heart of Chicago on 180 West Washington Street. They do most of the printing for the Good Athlete Project, and we just could not do our business without them. They've also worked with teams like the Chicago Bulls and the Chicago Blackhawks. They've worked with Let Us Entertain You Restaurant Group. They do holiday cards. They do wedding cards. They help you. They help you not only celebrate special occasions, but make them that much more special. And like I said, if you are a small business owner or a large business owner, they will give you the sort of personalized service combined with incredibly high quality goods. You just can't find that combo, honestly, anywhere else. Find them online at mightyprint.com. That's M-I-T-E print, P-R-I-N-T dot com. And on Instagram, same thing, at mightyprint, M-I-T-E print. And tell them the Good Athlete Project sent you.